welcome back to another episode of DC Unlimited, the podcast that's dedicated to talking, dedicated to talking all things DC, uh, comics, movies, television, but especially James Gunn's upcoming DC Universe reboot. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Caruso of Tis Podcast, and joining me, per usual, are two of the finest gentlemen I know. Firstly, Phil Walsh of Phil at the Movies. How's it going, Phil? Doing great. Happy Wednesday. Happy to be back. One day closer to Friday. <laughs> or should I say one day closer to Sunday, because the our other co-host here is Mr. Chris Evans of Gathering of the Geeks. We gather on Sunday. How's it going, Chris? That was a smooth uh, transition. Well done. <laughs> I'm doing super. How are you doing? <laughs> Better now that I'm talking to you guys. There we go. Always a good time. Mm-hmm. Looking forward well, to this one. It's been a minute, I think, since we've done an episode, and there's been a lot that's happened, so I feel like we got a good show today. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always have a good show, but this one feels particularly loaded. We have some concrete stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know, such as imaginary out there in the <laughs> in the ether. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys want to begin? Which concrete bit of news do you guys want to start with? Well, I'm just going to say it because it's right at top of mind. We got our first good look today of Colin Farrell as the Penguin. And, I mean, can I just say that's a Penguin? Like, I mean, just <laughs> the fur coat, the top hat. Like, all is mi- all that's missing is the umbrella. You know, give him the umbrella gun and, like, we're locked and loaded there. He uh, does not even need a monocle. I know people keep no. saying a monocle, but no, not needed. Not just needed. give him the umbrella. I'm fine even if you just give him reading glasses when he's in a study or something. Little but, spectacles, yeah, yeah. Dude looks like he walked right off the comic page. He, the, the 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 king of the Gotham underworld, right there. I, perfection. I no notes. No notes. <laughs> yeah. There is no Colin Farrell. Those are only Oswald. <laughs> he looks I, fantastic. I still think it is a tragedy that his makeup for the Batman wasn't nominated for an Oscar last year. Mm. Because it is not Colin Farrell. If you didn't know that was Colin Farrell, you wouldn't be able to tell it's Colin Farrell. No, and some of the set photos we've seen, which, yes, this Coke one I think is the best look at him just because, like, that looks full on. That's the penguin. But, mm-hmm. like, the other set photos we see him in regular everyday clothes. I don't know how you would say, oh, that's Colin Farrell. There is no, no Colin Farrell there. That looks like a different human being. Yep. It's, it's Oswald. It's Oswald. Well, you make a good point. This is the first full on penguin look we've seen. Not penguin look. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Penguin TV show is really the rise of the Penguin, and that's a look at him in the finale when he's fully embraced the moniker and has become king of the underworld in Gotham. I would wager you're correct. (laughs) I would think the same way we saw Bruce's journey in the Batman, Mm -hmm. this is Oswald's journey. Again, it's, it's right there in the title. It's called Penguin. It's mm-hmm. not called Cobblepot. It's not called Oswald. It's the Penguin. Which he's got a. Was he called Penguin in the movie? I don't think so. I don't remember. Well, I think they called him that der- in a derogatory way. It was way more like a derogatory. So oh, I think okay. he's going to take yeah. that and own it. Like, yeah, I'm the Penguin. 
Like he's, he's got to like, yeah, he's got to make people fear it, the name. Gonna bite your nose off, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me tell you something about if oh, I'm just so excited for it. But uh, <laughs> Phil, I think it was you in our little group chat earlier who made the point that you think um, the ultimate end game for Matt Reeves's characters here are he's going to transition them into darker, realistic versions of the 60s costume. Like, we're eventually going to get them all comic-accurate looks, just uh, darker versions. That that would be my my take on it. Because, I mean, if we, we go back in our time machine and we you know look at Matt Reeves' uh, initial tweet when he was first i think writing the script for the for the film the photo that he put out there for all the world to see was all the the costumes from the 66 show you had penguin and riddler and catwoman i think even egghead in the corner and and a kind of a side profile of the joker's (laughs) costumes like you know in many ways he was sort of telegraphing what what was going to be in the movie minus egghead but like you know, it's all right there, and and I think if everything does go according to to, to plan, there's there's no reason that that couldn't be what we ultimately get. You know, a I mean, I think even he said vis-a-vis the Riddler, this is the beginning. This is not the the full-on uh, you know familiar costume that we're used to. This is kind of you know the beginning, much in the same way as Catwoman has the you know the the ski mask, basically. Like it's it's an all but an evolution and. I mean, you see well, that right here with Penguin. I do think next time we see Catwoman, she'll have the domino mask. And I think mm. she'll have taken inspiration from Bruce in Bloodhaven and comes back full on Catwoman. I could say if that. If I had to guess. I could say that. Yeah. Which <laughs> I'm fine with. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Andy. I was going to say, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with. I mean, yeah, we see it. I was going to say we saw it in. Nolan's trilogy, but you see it in every piece of Batman media. He inspires a freak. So mm-hmm. he's out there dressed as a bat. Now they're all going to come into their own colorful personas. So It's like the speech at the end of, Be- of Begins. <laughs> Escalation. Let's you know? go. Mm-hmm. We wear Kevlar. They start getting Kevlar, <laughs> you know, piercing rounds. <laughs> That's what this is. That's how I see it. Um, Phil, you actually made an interesting comment just there, and we've talked about this in the group, and I want to bring it up here, because I think I'm on a different page slightly than you two. Uh, you said, if all goes according to plan, that the end of Matt Reeves' story will be all of them in their full-blown costumed glory. Uh, do you want to expand on what you mean by if all goes according to plan? No, absolutely. Uh, um, starting early tonight. Um, no, uh, what I mean by that, and again, it's, it's sort of an interesting caveat uh, to throw out there, but, um, and, and I say this is someone who thoroughly enjoyed the first film, is looking forward to the sequel uh, and the, uh, the the subsequent Penguin show, but I am not entirely convinced that uh, there will be another film in this supposed trilogy beyond the Batman part two. And the reason I say that is because while the Batman was a, was a critical success and it made a hell of a lot of money. When you look to general audiences and sort of, you know, your average 
moviegoers and, and even some Batman fans, the film is not universally beloved. It, it's not a, you know, it's not a Dark Knight, you know, reincarnated kind of a situation. Not that it had to be, but I think that is sort of telling going forward that the sequel, whatever it ends up being, it can't be a retread of the first film. It has to be something different and it has to land in a way that it didn't necessarily land with, with uh, general audiences and even some Batman fans the last time, because, you know, I mean, unless the film makes, you know, a huge amount of money at the box office and is a, you know, a critical darling, I don't know if there will be a, a, a part three. You know, I, I, I couldn't, could in theory see this being the end of the road, um, you know, if it matches or, or makes any less uh, than the Batman and is sort of, you know, mixed critically. I, I think a lot is going to depend on how well this film both does and is received if there's going to be a, a subsequent future for the Batman universe. And again, I say this, you know, everyone put down your virtual pitchforks. I say this as someone that thoroughly enjoyed the film, but you know, when I put on my, you know, my, my, my analysis hat and sort of look at the lay of the land, you know, th there, there's some, there's some potholes on the road that the, the Batmobile is going to have to navigate uh, very delicately going forward. And well, one potential one being, uh, you know, it's funny that they announced that Matt Reeves will be doing his Arkham series, but in the main DCU, mm. because if he's busy plotting out his the Batman trilogy or world, you would think he wouldn't necessarily have time for that on top of it. But mm, now, Chris, you're you're in agreement with Phil here, correct? Yes, Phil said it. I think a little bit kinder than I had it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I tried to be me. diplomatic. <laughs> Tell me how, how you would phrase it. Well, uh, so I, I should also say, like Phil did, I love the Batman. I really do. I think it's fantastic. I've, um, you know, I, I think I went on about it at length on multiple podcasts on my Twitter, any, anywhere where they would let me go on about it. I love the <laughs> Batman. But I feel like, and this is, the, like I said, Phil said it kinder, it failed where it needed to succeed the most. And that's with mainstream audiences. Mm -hmm. Because like Phil said, there's a lot of people this movie did not work for. And it's not just um, a case of fatigue with this movie. It's I've heard complaints range from it's too long. It's depressing. This isn't the Batman I want. Why is Bruce so sad? Why is Bruce a kid? What is this um, serial killer thing? a whole range of complaints from people who are not as dialed into this as we are. And I think that's very telling. Now the movie did make money. I, I won't deny it as always. It's, it's black and white. It's there. It made some money. It got the reviews. Like I just, because I had pulled this up in preparation for this conversation, it did make more than even adjusted for inflation. Batman begins did mm -hmm. when it came out. Oh yeah, it, I think it aped Batman. It like just killed it completely. Yeah, um, it, double, it basically made double what Batman Begins did. Batman Begins it did. Did it, it made money. It was successful and could have been more successful. 
yeah, if it, the mainstream liked it better, it would have been. Because even, and this is, is another aspect of it, you look at the line of toys. You had the McFarlands, which were for collectors, adults, maybe teenagers, who knows. And then they did have a line for children. Now, anytime I went to the stores, and I'm frequently into it, I have a kid, and plus I like toys, so I'm there. <laughs> but these things were always on the shelf. Nobody was buying them. I find it interesting they had toys for children because I kind of view this like Batman Returns. Like it's too dark for children. <laughs> it's a weird movie to have toys for. It is. It is. But I mean, that's just the complaint that people had. Too dark, too depressing, too long. Don't like Bruce. Don't like this, that. These these are not, like I said, people that dialed in. But then you do have fans of Batman. I, I know fans of Batman who did not like this movie. And, and it's a tricky thing also when you think about it because you can't pull Matt Reeves aside and say, okay, Matt, you did what you wanted in the first one. Now you got to make this one for us. You can't do that. No, no. If Matt Reeves does not want to lighten it up, he's not going to lighten it up. And that's fine because the three of us, we still eat well. <laughs> We're still happy. I, okay. So I am take a different tact than both of you. <laughs> I don't think there is any danger of not getting a third film. I think if it if it is true that James Gunn truly has full authority over what gets made at DC and everything goes through him, as a director's director and a writer's writer, I think he's going to let Matt Reeves finish the trilogy if that's what Matt Reeves wants to do. And I'll say this. So it did make money. It has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes and has an A minus cinema score. And I know a lot of you guys have a lot of anecdotal evidence that general public who are not tuned in didn't like this version. General public that I know for the most part did. Uh, perfect sample size. I mean, my wife, she'll only see Batman movies, Iron Man movies, and Spider-Man movies mm. in terms of comics. Good taste. And she... very, good, very good taste. <laughs> and uh, she loved it. She liked the story. She liked the detective aspect. She liked the darkness. And she liked that it was different than the Dark Knight trilogy. Now, again, one sample size, but even just co-workers and stuff aren't tuned in. They all liked it. Um, but Again, I acknowledge your point. There are people who didn't, including hardcore Batman. Uh, I loved it. I think it's right up there as one of the best Batman pieces of content we've ever gotten. I think a sequel could be on par with The Dark Knight if done well. Um, I hope it continues. I think it will continue. I think what was interesting with this movie is it was long. It probably could have been a little shorter, a little tighter, especially toward the end. But I think the Riddler is a hard villain to do in a Batman movie, in live action. Especially when you talk about rewatchability. Because once yes. the mystery That's was solved... Bingo. The thing. Bingo. It's kind of like... not. I don't want to say a drag to go back and watch, but it's not. you're not as invested because you know the outcome. You know the mystery at that point. And, and that's a lot of films with, with like mystery-type twists mm-hmm. and things. You don't always watch them that often. Or right. No, I, and that, I mean, not to sidetrack, but like 
for me, I think one of the only few mystery films that I will like revisit on a you know quote unquote regular basis is a movie like Knives Out, which yeah suggest. yeah there's a mystery aspect to it, but it's there's a lot more going on. It's about uh, the comedy ensemble. Bingo, yeah. yeah. Whereas and- this film, the mystery is so entwined in every aspect that like once you once you know it, it's like okay, well I, I've seen that. And no offense to Matt Reeves. So again, I I love I no. love this movie, but some of the mystery elements were not that well thought out. The URL thing went on a little too long, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, no, there's a one moment. Gives, it was one of the best scenes in the movie with the penguin. <laughs> oh, it was that's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. But the fact that until that moment he never thought a bat with wings as a bat was kind of stupid to me. A rat with wings as a bat. Yeah, (laughs) mine too. And like, just uh, the whole penguin, the whole, a rat with wings. And Gordon's like, wings? A penguin has wings? That reminded me of (laughs) Adam West C. C for Catwoman. Like, (laughs) I don't know. You know those ones where you think of something and glass just breaks? Yeah, that's where my mind's when he said C for Catwoman. I was like, wait a minute, it is similar. <laughs> and Reeves is a big 66 fan. You're on to something there, Anthony. You're on to something there. The glass just broke. Yeah, you're on to something. You're on to something. Um, yeah. Uh, b- bottom line, though, is I think this one, I think a sequel will do as well, if not better. And I think. I think in general for all superhero movies, except for big event films like an Avengers movie or something, we audiences and studios and people have to rein in the expectations that not everything is going to make a billion now. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But I think they're all in on this universe. Uh, They're doing the Penguin show. They're doing a sequel. And I think, honestly, our best... uh, the best argument that it's going to be finish the trilogy if that's what Matt Reese wants to do is James Gunn is truly a director's director and I don't think he would just cancel it on him if he is truly in charge of it. So, we'll see. I'm excited for the, for Batman too. So, you know, and we've said it before, you know, I don't have a problem with having two Batman at the same time. I, I understand the argument to it. I get it. Um, I think our friend over at the Vigilante Center, Mr. C, puts it really well when he says one is going to cannibalize the other. I mm. do think he's right. People are going to gravitate toward one over the other. Right. But at the same time, uh, hypothetically, let's say the Batman 2, it's going to hit it today. We we're pretty much know that. It's going to be October 2025. Do we know that? Because I was going to bring that up next, but I'm flipping in that. Like, finish okay. it off first. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. We'll for a second. Uh, so let's say that hits as planned in October 2025, and then maybe Brave and the Bold, Batman and Summer, whatever it gets called, ends up in 27. We only have one other Matt Reeves movie for it to go against anyway. So is it really going to be that much of an issue? Because I don't think Reeves going to do a quadrilogy. Would it be called a quadrilogy? I don't think. Quadri- yeah. yeah. Some kind of fancy new word they're going to make for this. <laughs> I don't think he set out to make four or five films. I think it's a sequel, or I'm sorry, a trilogy with two series in between the movies. That's my thought. That's always been my take. Yeah. 
But it might not be that big of an issue. No, exactly. Especially if, you know, the uh, DCU Batman is, like you said, in that 27 window, give or take. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think we're going to get our full trilogy, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. It is what I, people like. Or, I guess, like you said, it's just kind of very, you know people that liked it, I know people that liked it and didn't like it, and, you know, it's just the way it goes. It's opinions. Mm. I mean, I honestly... I didn't. I don't envy Matt Reeves or Robert Pattinson in general because following Nolan and Bale was always going to be a tough act. For oh yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, but going back to the release date, October twenty twenty five. Are we sure it's going to make it? And I only ask that because it's February twenty twenty four, and we've heard nothing. Supposedly, a script hasn't even been turned in, or was literally just turned in. My hunch is that we will still meet the deadline because, I mean, granted, I think it was supposed to start filming now before the strike, but the strike threw everything into chaos. Yeah, that that was it. Um, So probably the script was altered, if not rewritten in the wake of the strike, which, you know, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that aspect of how much the story you know underwent a, a shift but i mean i i want to say there's a rumor or or i mean it may not even be a rumor but like production notes that are going around that they're looking at like an august mm-hmm. uh shoot time which i mean if that's the case i can't imagine it would be a problem i mean I think people think, oh, well, the last one took so long, but yeah, we had COVID. There was all the uh, that's a good point. The restrictions and whatnot. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if they start filming in late summer, early fall, it's probably what a five, six month shoot. If that. I mean, yeah, that's th- a, th- yeah. Th- there's that's enough, a really there's good a point because they did stop a few times during COVID because exactly. people got COVID. Yeah, okay, yeah. good and, point. And also, the first one is not FX heavy. I would imagine the second one won't be either because exactly. I don't think we're going to get like Bane hulking up with Venom or anything. <laughs> or Mr. Freeze freezing Gotham. Yeah, I don't think so. But, Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, <laughs> if we like the rumored villains, which we've talked about, and maybe just throw the joke in there as a bigger piece of the puzzle, because um, Barry Keoghan has gotten a lot more popular since that first movie. Mm. And he's definitely want to use that. teasing it. He so, is, or, yeah. or he's openly, you know, saying, I want to be in it. So. Yeah, uh, they did that uh, interview with him. I think it might have been for Solbra. I don't know. And they asked him, Trey, are you going to be in the Batman 2? And he he just did like the smile gesture with his yeah. hand. So. We will see the Joker. I, I'm confident of that. Yeah, I, I think it'll hit the date. It, like Phil said, the first one was bogged down from COVID delays and other things. And and this one, they also have more of a handle on things, especially if they're using the volume again, which I kind of hope they don't as much. But we'll see. Really? I thought well, the volume looked great in the movie. It did. No, I, I thought that was fantastic. It just some some of the scenes made it, it made it feel like it was a lot smaller in scope. It was like the city huh. was small, kind of like the Batman Returns effect, where even though you know Gotham is massive because we'd seen eighty nine, Returns is really just for the keeping those press conferences. <laughs> yeah, Gotham Square. Yeah, Gotham Square. So I, I would just prefer to maybe have more on location stuff, which. I just I believe was the plan anyway, but they couldn't. I just yeah. want uh just give us some kind of news, like, okay, this is gonna be the villain. Like, just give us something to you know, 
You know, it seemed like for a He's while we were getting bad. like rumor after rumor, and then one by strike. one they've been either squashed down or, or uh, you know, then of course the strike happened. But yeah, I feel like we haven't heard anything about the hush rumor actually happening for a while now. So maybe that's not the case anymore. It never was. Mm. I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. I think maybe he was a villain. And then the strikes hit, and they reworked the whole script. I would, I will be very curious once this movie comes out for all the interviews and stuff to see how much it changed pre versus post strike. I'm going to admit my bias now. I just want to see the Joker. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm with more, you, Chris. I want to see more of Barry Keoghan. I yeah. just want the Joker. I want to see what he does with it. Yes, just the jury's out for me on Barry Keoghan. One day you'll join us in the light or the scene, whatever the line is. <laughs> we need Kevin Costner here. You know, yeah, I know. That's right. Let me get him on the phone. <laughs> I'll text him. Yeah. I, I just think that Matt Reeves has something has a chance to do something really unique and interesting with the sequel because the first one it's the first time in live action we ever saw Batman working actively with the cops, not just Gordon. He was mm-hmm. at the crime scenes working with all the cops. And I thought one of the I just rewatched the film recently. And I thought one of the most interesting things about it was kind of the mini arc the mayor candidate went on, where she was like, no, this is a vigilante. We got to stop him. And then at the end, kind of embracing him, like mm-hmm. Batman's even helping mm-hmm. out at the end, the emergency workers. I want to see how that develops, too, because I think she w- I think she will be a character. Like, she wanted to so. Bruce Wayne to be more public and giving and everything. And then her whole thing with Batman. So I think... Some interesting side stories could come up in the sequel. I want more Officer Martinez or I riot. <laughs> I want more Officer Martinez too. Give me more Officer Martinez and more Bella Real because I think that's a really good idea to keep her around. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that a lot, a lot of potential for aggressive uh, expansion. <laughs> uh, speaking of aggressive expansion, uh, the DCU officially kicks off in maybe about three weeks now when filming mm-hmm. for Superman Legacy begins. Now, James Gunn has said it's a monster of a movie. He shared boxes of storyboards. He said flights are booked and hotels booked for the movie. Everything's a go. How excited are we, guys? I want to work at that hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Be be a snooper, you know, just you know, hanging out in the hotel lobby or wait for know. them to come back after a day of shooting. Hey, what was it like? <laughs> Did I see your costume? <laughs> it's kind of surreal on one level that filming is set to begin in in less than a month. And you know, we're little over a year ago, this whole f- new world, this film was announced. I mean, it, it's sort of amazing to think how how far we've come in, in such a quick amount of time and i mean literally here we are filming is next month and the film is coming out in you know a year and change basically which mm. it's i mean it, it's it's mind-boggling on on one level I and mean, it's sort of it, there's I excitement think- there there's you know nervous anticipation you know i think i think i would be but- hitting myself if there wasn't like you know you know, holding your breath on on some level, just because I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, you obviously, you know, want you know, shoot for the best, but yeah, you never know with movies. How cool! I mean, 
the cast is leaning all into it. You keep seeing mm-hmm. workout photos of them at the gym. Yeah. We know David Cornsweet during the award season was in Atlanta practicing flying on the rigs, which is awesome. And dude is a beast. The before and after pictures of when he was first cast to now, they need an IMAX camera just to get him to fill the frame. <laughs> Quite a transformation, I have to say. I'm looking forward to seeing him full on, though, because I think the pictures we've seen, his face is usually blurry. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious what he looks like full on right now, because, you know, he well, has, plus a, he has that narrow kind of jaw. Big, thick beard now, yeah. too. I want to see him, the jawline. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I want to see the jawline with the action figure physique. Let's see what it looks like. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I, uh, yeah, uh, Comic-Con should be interesting this year. Even though Gunn said they weren't going to debut a trailer during Comic-Con. But I don't believe that, necessarily. Uh, he, I don't know. He, he may not, but I, I'm so excited. I'll take anything he wants to give us at this point. Like, just a little I, tidbit, you know? Right, just I can little. imagine, like, it'd be cool if first day of shooting, he just showed us the logo mm-hmm. and nothing else until, like, three months from then. I'd be cool with that. Yeah, I'd be cool, like, the logo and then Comic-Con, the full costume reveal. Yeah, whenever he Hell, have, him, have him walk out in a full costume at Comic-Con. That would be awesome. Do the Loki thing, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's a good idea. And yeah, not the Black Adam, let's do the Loki thing. <laughs> <laughs> or the, um, the villain from Guardians 3, he did it with that guy, too. What was, his, what was the character's called? Oh. Damn it. <laughs> I... I... The, the villain from Guardians, yeah. Guardians the villain. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad. None of us remember the name because he is one of Marvel's actually best villains. Actually, yeah. I know. <laughs> I was a ventriloquist. I know that's not. <laughs> I don't remember, but he's great, and he came out in full costume and did the whole thing. He did a bit. I, I think Superman doing that would be really interesting. The High Evolutionary. There you go. Yep. I, I no, that would be a great like way a, to build like a, a. It's like a real name. It's just. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would be awesome if he came out full Superman garb, maybe went over and gave Rachel Brosnahan a kiss or something on stage. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, I'm excited to see the teaser poster because James Gunn says, like with Guardians 3, he designed, he had a sketch of what the poster would be in his mind, whether or mm-hmm. not they end up using it. Mm. I, I, I actually hope it's like a recreation of a comic book cover. Like if Lois is truly a Cully, like you said, make it one of those ones where they're like embracing like in the sky or something. Like, I don't know. I would assume it's not the the action comics, him holding up the car. No. I assume that's not what it is. That's kind of what I was hoping it would be, but that's okay. <laughs> it, if it's really about him balancing life as Clark and Kal-El, uh have him don't even have him in the full costume have his reporter gear on and him ripping open the shirt I'd be cool with that I'd be great. I could say that I could say that happening I think I'm cool with anything they want to do I just want to see something of it and I do too just I, a I think it tease. would be a good idea to put Lois on the poster though I think you're right Anthony especially because again let's go back to when they were announced people were more excited about her than him I think people are underestimating what a draw she is going to be. She's the name. Yep. I I imagine she is going to factor in heavily to the film's marketing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm expecting she will be on at least one, if if not the first poster that that rolls out. And I frankly wouldn't be surprised if 
the first images we got are of are of Superman and Lois. I, I could see that being the uh, sort of a package deal. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the first image is Lois. Well, it could very well, yeah. Just because Lois is an easier thing to reveal. Like, here's a lady in a car. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Here's her sitting at a desk in a newsroom, and it's like, like crap, it's Lois Lane! Yeah, we'll all go nuts anyway, but yeah. it, that just seems like an easier reveal, and you know, you, you kind of don't have to worry about expectations. Well, that's true. Much. You can kind of ease people into it. I would I would do her first, Lex, and then Super. Yeah, save him for the end. You, you could even do you could even do a group shot, like an official a still of her and Jimmy and Perry at the Daily Planet, and Clark's not even in the there still. Yeah. That Speaking of which, with three weeks to go to shooting, we still have no Perry or Ma and Pa Kent. And I assume since we're recording this on the seventh, casting is going to drop on the eighth. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know if Lex is the only villain. <laughs> or no. actually, I think the villain is the authority character, isn't it? I, I thought it was. Maybe it's not. I have a feeling the authority character is going to be more of a. Um, What's the character in Guardians 3? Adam Warlock type role, I, I where imagine. she starts out <laughs> villainous and then uh, kind of turns good. I could That's my theory. Because yeah, they are that. ultimately anti-heroes. They're not flat-out villains. So. Yeah, I could say that anyway. I tend to believe we will still get another villain, and they haven't, just, they haven't been revealed yet. I would be shocked if it's not well, I mean, I know we're all hoping for Brainiac. We talked about what other villains it could be, but I'd be shocked if there's not another villain and they just do Lex again. Lobo and Lex. <laughs> I'm hoping Brainiac or Bizarro. Bizarro would be cool. I would like that. I'm a Brainiac. Or Metallo. Oh, that's right. Metallo. I'd also really like Parasite. I think Parasite's a cool villain. Hear me out here, guys. Batman. And we could be called, it could be called Superman Legacy, Superman versus Batman. I like that. Get I mean, it worked. It worked for WB once. Mm-hmm. You get Josh <laughs> Brolin too, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he did say he wants to work with James Gunn again. Well, there you have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> uh, I'm excited, that. I don't, I don't think we brought it up last time, but uh, the cinematog the cinematographer posted a bunch of photos in Iceland, mm, I saw or Norway, that. Iceland, and uh, hashtag a fortress or something. So it looks oh, like we're gonna get a comic accurate version of the Fortress of Solitude. And judging from the images with the northern lights in the background, which will be amazing. I, I mean, it- the first poster is the fortress, and you see like the blue and red blur flying out of it. That would be cool. Or like a behind know. shot of him walking toward it with maybe oh, the S logo yeah. on the back, on the cape. That'd be cool, too. I could see Gunn, though, like, because he's so... He likes the goofier aspects of comics. I could see Gunn doing the whole giant key to get into the fortress that nobody can live but Superman. <laughs> that'd be fun. I don't know if I want that, but that'd be fun. I just think that seems like something Gunn would do. I'm not saying I want it. Yeah, I could, I could see that happening. But I was wondering though, who who's even going to find the fortress where he would need that giant key? Uh, well, that's, that's a fair point. It's like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> they're, call, yeah. they're they're called satellites. Fair. 
Two chasers. <laughs> the, the the U.S. government. <laughs> Amanda Waller, you know, is looking at the satellites, finding those meta humans. Oh, Waller's busy with um, peacemaker stuff. Right, right. That is a fantastic transition. But I, I wanted to bring up one thing, one other thing for Superman <laughs> Legacy first, uh, because we did we didn't talk about it yet, and, and this news broke only a few days ago. We have a composer officially. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot. That's right. That's right. John Murphy, who has worked with. Uh, They've worked Gun in the past. He's did the Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, those are his two most recent things. He has been tapped to score Superman Legacy. So that puts it into the uh, the speculation online that somehow the John Williams score would be resurrected again. That's that's why I want to ask you guys. Now, I, I don't think this movie should have that theme. We need to leave that in the past. I agree. But what if? pieces of like so i was talking about this with someone else but what if like when the wbdc logo flashes you hear the notes from the original theme and that's the only thing you hear of it just the notes and then it goes into the regular thing i would be fine with that honor the legacy if you will superman legacy that's yeah (laughs) i think there's a way to include like a few notes from that and even Hans zimmer's theme in a fully nude theme if they wanted to you know, I, I know he had a theme with Hans Zimmer, and I'm sorry to all the fans and stuff. I don't remember what his theme is. Oh, I love the Hans Zimmer theme. I, I can't place it right now, and I, I know I probably like I like all the Hans Zimmer stuff, and I, I do like the Man of Steel score, but I can't remember what what is his specifically. I'll say this though, like for the people who just want John Williams's theme again, no, like just like every Batman has had their own Superman. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it, it makes sense for him to have his own. Um, it's 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 time to chart a new course. It is. There is something special about that theme. To me, no, it, it sounds it, like hope. It's iconic. I mean, it's, you know, not to you know overuse that word, but it is. I mean, when you think of Superman, that music is not far from mind, at least yeah. for me. Yeah, but we don't need it. Sounds no, like no, it, no. It, it, I agree. It, it's it's a new, it's a new take. It's a new direction. I, new music I, is is perfect. I just hope John Murphy comes up with something iconic because no offense to this guy, but nothing from the Suicide Squad or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is sticking out to me as like a really cool bit of music. Yeah, you got you got to kind of got to get a you know you need a good hero's theme. Yeah, but, you know. well, also a guns films and needle drops stand out so much they do it sort of overplays the music yeah i hope he i know there's no way we don't get a needle drop but i hope he curbs the needle drops a bit for superman i would personally crazy by finding cannibals (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i'm with you anthony I, i think less would be more if not leaving it all out entirely like Something about Superman and needle drops. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I like the idea. Of it. it it has to be the right song, Chris. Like you said, it it has to be the right song. Finding Campbell's. She drives me crazy. <laughs> but, but what's cool is he's written most of the score already. Hmm. Yeah, that's he, interesting. He, that's interesting. James Gunn said he gave him the script back when he finished it, and he wrote the score based on the script alone. And James Gunn said he will be playing the music on set so people can get in the mindset when they're shooting. That's neat. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's really cool. cool. That's cool. It's an interesting way to do it. And it's normally so, music always comes afterwards. Yeah. 
they score it as they're watching the film mostly. Yeah. That, that's or clips of it. That's actually a really cool way to do it. I wonder yeah. what his theme sounds like then if he's got it pre planned. Hmm. I would assume the theme was probably the first thing he wrote. Yeah, I would think so too. I, I and I do think we'll get even if the score itself isn't too memorable, I think the theme will be because I think Gunn knows that theme has to You have to nail that theme. No. Mm-hmm. The theme is important for a Superman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you have that other one that's still in people's heads. You have yeah. to do something special. Mm-hmm. Don't have to top it, but you have to you have to sort of rise to the occasion. Just be a, get, try to get that level. That's all. right. That's exactly <laughs> try to you get know. to the level. Get to it. You know, may not reach it, but you know, be in the same same vicinity, mm-hmm. same parking lot. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Same parking lot. Yeah. Speaking of rising to that level, another Kryptonian has risen from the pages of comic books to be cast in James Gunn's DCU. We have our Supergirl officially. Millie Alcock? Is that it? I believe so. Millie Alcock of uh, House of Dragon fame, I think that's what she's most famous for, is uh, playing Kara. Uh, So I'll go first on this one, and then I want to hear your thoughts. She was not my first choice. When I saw the finalists for her, Meg Donnelly, I was kind of rooting for Meg Donnelly. Uh, I thought she had more of the look. And I know the look isn't everything. You can do makeup, you can do whatever. I thought she just looked more what I pictured Supergirl naturally to be. And uh, I thought her background was interesting as a Disney star. Because so many Disney stars go on to do really interesting things. Look at Jenna Ortega, for example. So I would have liked to have seen what she could have done with the role. Uh, Millie Alcock, I'm not as familiar with. I didn't watch House of Dragon. House of the Dragon. I watched like an episode and I was like, okay. That's fine. She was fine. Um, but a lot of people seem really excited about her, so I'm willing to give her a chance. I'm super happy for her. She seems thrilled. Uh, so yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, she wasn't my first pick. I mean, frankly, you know, neither of them were were my uh, you know would have been my choice. But I mean. That's why they get paid the big money, you know, and they, yeah, the, uh, the higher ups can make those decisions. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, what, 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 what we get from the Supergirl. I'm expecting, and they've sort of indicated it's going to be a much different version than what we have seen, uh, I think, well, I think in the, the movie or in the, the TV show. I think the Hollywood Reporter article said they were looking for a more punk rock, like kind yeah. of edgier Supergirl. Which I think Which is I, actually going to be a nice contrast vis-a-vis Clark. Um, if, if, if Superman is hope and optimism, she's going to be rough around the edges and maybe maybe not you know cynical, but, but a slight jaded edge, mm-hmm. uh, which would be kind of a nice story element that may tie into her eventual movie. What are your thoughts, Chris? I don't like it. <laughs> um... I, uh, I like like Phil said. I'm. It's not my. I'm not the one who gets paid to do it. They saw something I didn't, so I am going to give her the chance, like I do with any other casting. Like you guys, she was not my first choice. Probably not my tenth choice. <laughs> um, I have seen House of the Dragon. 
I didn't love it. Mm. And that might be coloring my opinion on her just because mm. it's the only thing I've seen her in. Mm. I would have went with a different actress, but that's just me. Um, I don't I don't hate it. And it really didn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I did because we're still getting it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll see how it works out. I, I think I'm excited to see Supergirl on screen and hopefully she does well with it. And again, I'm not a casting director, so it's not up to me to make, make these choices. They know something I don't, and that's their job. I think, yeah, exactly. Like, and what interested me is James Gunn said he was always on, she was always on his list, top of her list. She was the first yeah. name because mm. he, he brought up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm at the point right now where until Gunn gives me a reason to doubt him, I'm all in Gunn we trust. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's really interesting to me is the fact that he has said repeatedly that nobody will be cast until a script is complete. So it leads me to believe, even though he's denying it, he has a limited role slash cameo in Superman Legacy. And that Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, is complete because supposedly another two projects are going into production toward the end of this year, and I would think that's one of them with her being cast now. But thoughts? I think that guarantees that Supergirl is getting... It was going into production this year. I think it guarantees. Mm-hmm. The movie is called Superman Legacy. There is no way that Supergirl does not show up in some capacity, be it a limited cameo at some point in the film. I, I We're getting an established Superman. This is a lived-in world. Woman of Tomorrow is is heading into production. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way that casting wouldn't have been announced mm-hmm. at this point if she wasn't going to be in this movie. So I, I think that's some clever wordplay and denial on on James Gunn's part. But uh, I fully expect we will see Supergirl in that movie. Um, maybe we don't see her at in the Supergirl costume per se. Maybe we just see her as a uh, as Kara, but. You know, maybe maybe that's just clever wordplay. Yeah, yeah, like a Supergirl. Exactly. So I mean, there's there's ways you can parse this, Uh, but she will be in the movie. Uh, An announcement like that with Superman getting ready to start production, uh, I would be, I would be shocked, uh, absolutely shocked, if uh, she did not make an appearance. So there are a few other things I want to talk about before. So listeners, we are going to actually talk about. Uh, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, the graphic novel. Uh, but before we get to that, there are a few other things I want to talk about first. But I want you guys to think of a question that I'm going to come back to after we talk about the graphic novel. Mm. Which director do you hope gets cast, gets hired to take on Woman of Tomorrow? So think about that as we right. talk about the book. Um, but yeah, so two productions going to other movies or projects going to production this year, allegedly. We know Creature Commandos is in the bag. We know Legacy is starting. Supergirl's been cast, so I think we're all in agreement. That's probably going into production by the end of the year. 
So the question is, what do you think is the fourth one? We know the Waller scripts are complete. We now know Peacemaker Season 2 is complete. So what are your thoughts? I mean, not that you want to um, read into uh, Instagram stories of uh, of James Gunn, but you know he did post that photo a few weeks ago of what looked like members of the Justice League that did include uh, everybody's favorite Dark Knight uh, Avenger. So one has to wonder if there is something along those lines. I'm not saying a full Justice League movie or. Uh, maybe a Justice League or a Justice Society, but I, I'm wondering if there's some sort of sort of a big uh, quote unquote team up project that is uh, in the works because he has suggested that there's been a lot of shuffling and moving of the pieces. So he's also yeah. hinted at the Adam in his Instagram stories. That's right. So I mean, again, not that you you know want to necessarily take all your cues from his stories, but I suppose. You know, if those are, are hints, maybe that is a sign of those are a sign of, of things to come. I didn't think of that. That'd be interesting. I don't know how we'd keep that under wraps, though. I know that's the thing. It does seem like something like that would have trickled out by now. Um, yeah, maybe. And I, I would think we would need more casting, but who knows? That that's that's an option. I I I think it's gonna be Waller. I think the scripts have been in for a while. He said Waller is basically Peacemaker Season 2, which leads me to believe it's going to be before Peacemaker Season 2, even though, like you said, things are shifting. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be Supergirl and Waller. If not Waller, if it's going to be a second movie project, uh, The Authority, because most of The Authority is already cast, supposedly. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that... uh, that one would be coming up next since they're meeting those characters sooner rather than later. So I think it's Supergirl and Peacemaker. I think Peacemaker because that's gonna be the bridge for this new this new universe, I think, in a way. Um mm-hmm. he's mentioned that Peacemaker kind of answers some questions of how things are existing. So that's right. I would think that's what you do. Also, the popularity of John Cena's Peacemaker is pretty big i think mm. i'm not really sure how many people really know peacemaker you know i don't know how many people watch the show but i think john cena is a big deal right now and he's consistently been a big deal so i think the phrase is strike while the iron is hot mm. so you do peacemaker and i and i think wall is probably folded into peacemaker that's my guess so you think he threw out all those scripts completely no, I think he's just combining them or something. I, I think, think I'm with you on that, Chris. I think Waller may be the big bad of Peacemaker. Like, mm. let's like hypothetically, hypothetically, you know, we heard rumors Deathstroke was a part of Waller. Maybe Waller and Deathstroke are working to stop Peacemaker or something. I don't know. I am going to go on a limb right now and say I don't expect Deathstroke to be in Waller. I think sure. Rick Flagg Sr. is going to be the villain to go after Peacemaker because he killed his son. Mm. I think that is more likely, but I think there's a cool factor if it's Deathstroke. Like, hey, it's Deathstroke. He's right, no. You know, and that also gives him maybe a formidable opponent in Deathstroke mm-hmm. versus an elderly Rick Flagg Sr. Not right. that um, the actor is elderly. No, but there's something more appealing, I guess, if it was like a 
a, a bigger Thanks. name. Yeah, Deathstroke. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Red Flag Senior, we got confirmation. Creature Commandos debuts this fall from Sean mm-hmm. Gunn, which I expected. There are a bunch of monsters yeah. in it. It makes sense to be- debut in the fall, right? Uh, just like I figure Penguin is as well, just to lead us into the next year. But... DC Knights. They're going to be coming. <laughs> <laughs> that is very exciting for me. Bring on the fall. Bring on the fall. Uh, but main topic of discussion tonight, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. So Beautiful comic. Beautiful comic. Written by Tom King. Uh, I think prior to deciding we were going to read it for this show, I was the only one who had read it of the three of us already. I had read it before. I I had not, so I was was the newbie. I can't say that I read it ages ago. I read it when they announced that was the inspiration for the comic. So I read it about a year ago. Uh, And I was... I was blown away by it, and uh, it was such a fun intergalactic road trip type story, and it was was a lot different than what I expected going into it, Um, and I think it's, I'm actually surprised Gunn didn't want to direct this one instead of Legacy, considering it gave me very Guardians of the Galaxy vibes throughout a lot of it, Uh, but yeah, there is definitely a a vibe to it that feels just like in that wheelhouse, uh, very, it's almost like a, 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 you know, a buddy movie kind of a thing. If Uh, you look at the, uh, visuals in guardians of the galaxy, specifically volume two, a lot of it looks like panels from one of tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to see what you guys think. First time readers. So, well, I, I, as I said, I was. This was the first time uh, reading it, and yeah, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Supergirl fan, or, or know all that much about the character. So it was kind of a nice introduction or reintroduction for for me. And I think what I was taken by most is how the characterization of Supergirl, because I sort of have this perception of, of of the character either from what i've seen of the tv show or even on on the animated series and that is not the character really at all it, it's a very different uh almost want to say a grittier take on supergirl which is is frankly i think more interesting because there's there's room for kind of character development but also I don't know, it just sort of makes her a more interesting character as opposed to just like a, a sunny, happy-go-lucky girl next door that you sort of associate with the character from all the different adaptations and, and whatnot. And that's not the case at all with this. Uh, she, you know, she she gets to that point, but there's there's an edge to her. And I think, especially if this is going to be the template for the movie going forward, I think that's a stroke of genius because... You know, I I think people want an edge to their to their heroes. Nobody wants the the sunny optimist all the time. And like we had mentioned earlier, if, if Clark is going to be the 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 happy go lucky you know Boy Scout, so to speak, you know the guy that sees you know the good in everybody, 
what a perfect contrast to have uh, to have Supergirl be the more jaded and, and cynical Kryptonian, you know, really who doesn't trust humanity at all. I, I think there's a lot of potential there. If Clark is the one who is helping little ladies across the street and saving cats from trees, Supergirl's the one who's going to hunt you across the galaxy. Bingo. Her dog. Bingo. No, exactly. You know, and I liked how Crypto was with her in this. I think that would be a nice little translation to the movie as well. Well, I think that, I mean, we've all talked about that Crypto is obviously going to be in this universe. Yeah. I like the idea of him belonging to her over him. Because I will... I think the audience will more easily accept a flying dog if it lives in space with her rather well, than that's the thing. with Clark. The way this is set up, because it's it's a it's an intergalactic you know, journey story, it works with a dog. And, and in a lot of ways it humanizes her. You could you know I, I love dogs. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're just there's something that's just always pleasing when you put a dog in a, in a story or a movie and particularly when you have a character that starts out rough and and, and more uh, uh more jaded so to speak the dog is always going to be a humanizing aspect so i i i, I fully quick way, ad- quick way to get some tears from the audience well i, I mean <laughs> exactly <laughs> like exactly like what way to tug on the audience's hearts in four ways than one, but no, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this, and like I said, if if this is the the, I mean, I don't expect it will be a direct adaptation, uh, you know, page to screen, but there's a lot to work with here, uh, particularly for reintroducing Supergirl to the audiences, because I, you know, I mean, yes, there was the Flash, but I mean, unless you're watching the TV show. I, I would be willing to to bet that most general audiences are not all that familiar of, with Supergirl outside of kind of in name only. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I think that would be my impression on it. And this is this is a great way to to I mean, really establish the character and and not just reintroduce her, but but to sort of present her. By you, Chris, what were your thoughts and? this is a stellar book i had heard of it before like when it was being released but i didn't get to it and then i know when gun mentioned it last year it it was sold out everywhere people just flocked to this book and um i forgot how it came up but we decided to all read it and i was so impressed by this i like tom king's work anyway most of the time but i didn't really know much about this book and like phil i didn't know a lot about supergirl I'd seen that movie that we've talked about and um, I'd seen her in various animated projects, but that was really about it. And, um, oh, and I did see some of the Super Bowl TV series, but not really enough to get a sense of who the character is and how she operates. I, I kind of just figured, okay, she's like Clark. She's just like Clark. That's like a female version. That's fine. I like that. But reading this and, you know, the way you're introduced to her is not of her own accord. You're introduced mm. to her through the eyes of Ruth. Mm. And that's how you are. You get to know her throughout the entire eight issues is through the eyes of Ruth. And I think mm. that adds something really special to the book particularly because it's not like, oh, okay, we know Supergirl. It's Ruth knows Supergirl. Now we know Supergirl. And the way she describes her, 
and talks about her it is really interesting and as you see the the story unfold it, it it's like the best way to do it i think and separates it from this is just a clark clone because that's not what she is right. whereas if you would have told a story from Kara's perspective i think it would have seemed more like clark who doesn't have a problem with language but when it's to ruth it's a different beast so i really enjoyed um that particularly i like the story i love the ending i absolutely mm. adore the ending because i did not expect that <laughs> um we're going full, full spoiler right yeah oh yeah it. no okay. yeah so I did not expect Ruth to kill Krem at the end and Supergirl just to let her do it. She brought Krem to die on the farm and it was amazing. And that is the difference between Supergirl and Superman because Bingo. Superman would have stopped her. Bingo. Superman would have. She stopped her the first, actually she didn't stop her the first time. Kara was going to do it and mm-hmm. Ruth stops her and then it becomes full circle at the end. Like, okay, it's time. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that. I love the art in it. I thought that the imagery is kind of unique in a way. It, it's not because it's not overly comic-y looking. It's not too realistic looking. It's a nice middle ground. Mm-hmm. And the creatures and stuff were all really unique. Like the first one who falls asleep on Root's shoulder. <laughs> and it has some genuinely funny, funny moments too. A lot of genuine uh, laughs there. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about this book, though. When it comes to it being adapted, I have no idea how this is going to work. Like, none. Because you think, okay, do we want, like, are are they going to put the whole movie in space? They're just going planet to planet? Is that going to be a thing? I am, if I were doing it, obviously we don't know. If I were doing it, I would have her, the hunter come to Earth and kill Crypto. And then she goes off to space. Start it on her. Bookend it on her. Have Ruth. I'd have I'd have Ruth. Oh, okay. But start it. Bookend it with Earth. But the middle is all in space. I think that's a great way to differentiate, particularly from what we can assume will be the focus of of Legacy, which will probably be largely based in Metropolis. So mm-hmm. having kind of a world hopping adventure such as it is, I think that could be, again, a nice differentiation from the two films. What do you guys think about the ending, though? Do they keep the ending? Yes, I think they have to. I think it differentiates Superman and Supergirl. And I I just think it poses an interesting contrast for when they meet in the future. Now, the argument against it is we saw Superman snap somebody's neck in Man of Steel and audiences hated it. Right. That's my still upset about that. That is my concern that I mean, while personally I I would keep the ending because again, I think it's showcasing the differences between her and Clark. But I could see people losing their minds over that. I mean, if if, she's not the one who does it, no, but she's she lets it happen. It's a she stands there and doesn't like. I could see people it's saying a whole, she's guilty. I'm not going to kill like you. A, but I don't, I don't have to say yeah. it. Nobody knows that. No, but well, Batman gets away with all that. But like, you know, Supergirl, I, I, I could see people losing their shit with that. I, I, yeah. 
And I think well, it's different from the next snap because the next snap he had no well in my opinion he had no other choice. I'm cool with the next snap. No, I, I well, I'm with you on that. In this Absolutely. Line, or this story, she had a choice. There's a choice. Got, there was a clear choice. <laughs> I could see them going the route where she tries to kill him herself earlier in the movie, and the growth is she stops him from being killed at the end. I could see them going that route for the movie. I could even see them ending it where actually like before the epilogue part. Like yeah. it just ends on that island. Ruth stops Kara and reminds her, hey, this is who you are. And then just seeing the Phantom Zone, we're done. Mm. I could see that being the ending of the film. But I wouldn't really mind if they do the whole thing because I thought it was pretty. I love it. If it were up to me, I would do it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just go. You're right there. Just don't 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 check it out. I can hear not even general audiences complaining, but the Snyder cult on Twitter. Oh, everyone hated Cavill snapping a neck, but everyone's okay with Gun Supergirl killing this guy, letting this guy die. It's a different beast, though. I mean, oh no, I I know it is, yeah, but you know but, they would say that. But people are going to complain no matter what, because that's kind of what people do, honestly. <laughs> We people, know that. people do complain. That you know, is, there's going to be people that complain. She walked away. There's going to be people that complain. She didn't do it herself. <laughs> you know, why didn't she behead him and then kick the head into space? You know, there's always going to be something. That's why I think, honestly, it's it's there in the book. So if you're going to do it, you might as well just follow the book. Like this is not a time to deviate from the source material. Just it would be cool if she kicked the head into space. Well I, I mean I'd love to see that. You know I think well, that'd be cool. why not? I mean like again talk about just separating Superman <laughs> legacy from woman of tomorrow. I mean honestly. But you, you know Anthony does bring up a good point though when it comes to fans of Snyder stuff, the oh, comics, yeah. whatever, everybody's gonna have a feeling about this ending. <laughs> So it, I wouldn't say it's like a no-win scenario, mm. but it's a really thin line to walk. That's why I think it's best not to include that, even though I personally would. No, I think you're right, Chris. I, it, for the great, for the greater good. For the greater good. Yeah. <laughs> for the online discourse that we don't need. <laughs> no. Although the ending is pretty spectacular. <laughs> I mean, that's a, take the good with the bad. Now, my uh, spring, I have a little question here on you guys. Who do you cast as Ruth? Ooh. I didn't consider that. Oh, <laughs> putting me on the spot here. Okay, so before we do this, how old is Ruth supposed to be? I thought I she was younger than Supergirl. I did too, but when the book opens, I thought she was an adult till I saw her next to Super. I was like, oh no, this is a kid, I think. But I she mean, she's younger, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my hunch is they probably age the character up just a little bit. Um, I have one in mind. Yeah, go ahead. And maybe the cliche answer. But she even kind of looks like her a little bit, Millie Bobby Margot Brown. Oh. I, I, she was, she was on my, my brain. And I think it's only a matter of time until she snatched up for one of these universes. So I want to get her. She would, uh, she would be good. I think I, I could say that. She has that intensity. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could say that. I could say that. 
I'm looking up the actress's name. I just thought of her, but I don't know her name. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Phil? You know, she she would be she would be older, but I think she could bring something unique to it, particularly putting her off against um, off of Supergirl. But I would I would pick Jenna Ortega. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'd put again a little bit. Although. Sorry. Go on. Well, no, well, no. Like I said, I I love to see Jenna Ortega for other other roles in the DC. Here, so like you know, th- there's probably bigger fish to fry, so to speak. But um, Statana should be awesome for her. Like I say, th- I she could headline her own movie as as, as any main uh, character. But I mean, if 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 you know, push came to shove, and this was the only way to get uh, Jenna Ortega in the the DCU, I mean, this would be a great way to. Uh, to make it happen, and it, again, it sort of goes against the the convention, if you will, of her not being like a you know like a Zatanna or, or or you know some other uh, you know mainstay, so to speak, you know, m- more of a quote unquote original character, if you will. Um, my pick is someone I've seen in Mad Men, and I thought she was great. She was in that um, movie last year, Totally Killer. Karen Shurka. Yes. Oh, oh, that's a good one. I think she would be great. She could oh, have also yeah. played Kara, I think. Yeah. yeah. I love Karen Sherpa, and I hope uh, she is Batgirl. So I'm going to say I hope that's not that's the it. case. I have been long fan casting her as Batgirl. So. I'm not casting her as in uh, the new version of Buffy if it ever happens. <laughs> I get you. Oh, she looks yeah. She awesome. would she would do very well. I with think that. she's perfect for that. But, yeah, um, I mean she played she played Sabrina really well on the Netflix. Oh yeah, that's right. I haven't seen that, but I hear good things. I just yeah. know her from Mad Men and Till the Killer, and she's made a couple of. Those things. Yeah, no, she's very good. Mm-hmm. She would be great as Ruth, though. But I mean, that's the problem with all the three people we picked. I want them for bigger roles. I know. I know. You almost have to go with an unknown. Unknown, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and also the age, I think, is going to be a thing. No. As far as 21 in the story. You Ruth don't want someone tiny. that age. Yeah. So. There are some shots, some panels where, where like, Kara looks like she's 10 feet tall for some reason. <laughs> I don't. That kind of threw me in some of them. Like, is that Supergirl? Yeah, like I said, I don't know if it was just the way it was drawn or it was the the art, but she does look a little out of place. Kryptonian, I guess is the word. Yeah, Kryptonian. There we go. Just a little Kryptonian. <laughs> yeah. Um, which brings me to the question I asked you guys to think about: if you could hire any director to helm this project, assuming this project stays relatively close to the source material, so a big cosmic adventure, who would you pick? Denny Villeneuve. Ooh, Ooh, I like that. That was the first thing that popped in my head. I'm going with him. For those who don't know, Dune and Dune Two. Oh, that damn that that is. You might have just cleared the deck there. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, that God, that that's great. That, that's a hey, oh, yeah, yes, please. Um, I mean. I mean, everything I'm going to say just is going to suffer by comparison now. Um, 
you, you know, it, this name has been, I, I know has been batted around a number of different times, but I, I don't care. Um, I would pick Bryce Dallas Harwood. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I love what she has done on The Mandalorian, and I think she has shown that she can sort of finesse that line between sort of high concept but also uh, focusing on, on character work. Um, and, and again, you know, she's no stranger to the sort of, you know, the intergalactic uh, mm-hmm. world. So I, I, I think she would be a good uh, a good pick. And, and she has certainly uh, shown her, her talent time and again uh, as a director. So I think this would be a... This be an ideal fit for her. Um, I'm going with another name that's been bandied about a lot around a lot. Um, Greta Gerwig. Mm. I think she'd be great. She's a fantastic uh, character director. Mm. Uh, she'll be busy because Netflix tapped her to helm the Chronicles of Narnia. But that <laughs> almost makes me want her even more because I want to know the pitch that landed her giant fantasy epic, which makes me think she could do a big sci-fi epic as well. Um, That should be great. And I also think uh, as great as your choices, Chris, I would like a female for Supergirl, a woman director. Um, I just think, you know, diversity and all that we don't have just all men we have a lot of great male directors stacked up already this is our first woman headlining superhero in the universe get a woman director to you know do that first adventure so i think Greta would be great i don't think it's going to happen just like i said she's Mm -hmm. busy with narnia now but uh i'd love to see what she could do with the character i like both those choices Especially Bryce Dallas Howard, maybe more than Greta, because Bryce Dallas Howard has more experience with mm-hmm. kind of the fun, whimsical sci-fi stuff. Yeah, no, Bryce Dallas Howard is actually my second choice for that exact reason. The reason Greta usurped her is because well, she brings she, an immediate cachet uh, yeah. coming off of Barbie and whatnot. But even before that, she just has that you know Prestige. she has that yeah she does. She, I mean, she would elevate the project. Mm-hmm immediately just by signing her name to it well all that plus the idea that she doesn't have the sci-fi experience adds to it for me because Mm, i mean she would bring the character stuff first and foremost to the front and learn the sci-fi stuff as she went along plus again i want to know what her pitch was to get hold of narnia for netflix because she has no fantasy experience that's a big fantasy epic so I think she must have a creative vision for otherworldly stuff that uh, I'd mm. like to see what she could have done in DC. She so. still might, though. Even if she doesn't get this, there's going to be other projects. That's yeah, right. for sure. Like, there will be a Wonder Woman at, at some point. At some point, no. no. I thought it was Paradise Lost, guys. Are we, are oh, we saying... Uh, that was a, that was a joke because I think we were in agreement that Paradise Lost is Wonder Woman. I don't care yeah. what they say. That's that, 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 that's the, that's the project name. That's the code name. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I'm waiting for the veil to come off that one. The tiara will be set soon. Yeah, any day, any day now. I'd imagine we'll get this announced pretty quick though. If Supergirl is going into production soon or this year, I'd well, imagine the directors lined up 
already. They just haven't announced it, yeah. or it's close. Yeah, well, I think that's what inked. Deadline or Variety said, right? They were honing in on a director. So I would expect we'd have a director by summer, by the by yeah. the end of April, if I oh, yeah. guess. That could be sooner rather than later. And then a few months of pre-production, this gets going in the fall, early winter. Yeah, get some casting lineup because there's mm. there's not that's actually a benefit of this. There's not a lot of characters. No, it's a very oh. contained story, which again I think will be again not not to keep going back to the legacy, but a nice you know, difference from from legacy being this sort of massive, uh, you know, character piece, whereas this is more intimate and you know it's really just a well, handful of of, of people yeah, it's a good way for the clark audience sorry I, I would have clark pop up in it though oh yeah no i imagine superman is is going to be making many many appearances across the uh the yeah. dc i'd imagine if maybe. i think lois across the dcu for sure but i think clark will show up at the end of Supergirl. Maybe she mm-hmm. comes back to Earth and they kind of have a heart-to-heart or something. We'll yeah. finally get what the original Supergirl movie was going to be. Well, yes. I, I was about to say, that's the benefit of this being such an intimate movie as well. It gives the chance to, for audiences to really get to know Supergirl. Yeah, I hope they keep the monologue or, or some type of narration. Mm. I think that's really important to the story, to, again, to see Supergirl through someone else's eyes. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I mean the comic book is it, it's a perfect bible if you will for mm. how to make this movie. So I mean, we in ag- visually <laughs> are we in agreement then that we believe Supergirl is 2026. Yeah, I am. Yeah, if I had to put down the monopoly money, yeah, I would. You wouldn't I, announce it now if it wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't think you cast someone, let them sit on the shelf. Because let's let's For, say Gun is serious when he says she's not in Legacy. You don't just cast her to hey, you know we're going to use you. It's, they've they've done this before. Yeah, we'll see you yeah. in five years. No, right, like Maharshala Ali is still waiting to do Blade. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't do this. It's not, no. it's not the way. To... I think twenty twenty six is when uh, Supergirl is, is is on the way, and, and uh, frankly, I could see it being earlier than summer of twenty twenty six. I can see the teaser with Legacy, mm-hmm. and then Spring twenty six. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Because I, I think twenty. I was about to say, I think twenty six is going to be the first year we get two DCU movies. I think it will too. Yeah, mm. but this was already supposed to be underway in production. This is Legacy, I mean, it was supposed to already be in production except for the strikes. Right. So, so technically, the schedule has shifted anyway. Yeah, just a little bit. Good stuff is ahead. No, a, a promising future. Up, up, and away. Mm-hmm. Literally. Up, up, and away. <laughs> uh, speaking of up, up, and away, Bane, uh, Harley Quinn's... <laughs> We're just killing it with the transitions tonight, I have to say. Um, This is, you know, Valentine's Day is next week, y'all, so we decided That's to... Right. That's right. Rewatch Harley Quinn, a very problematic Valentine's Day special. What um, a title. <laughs> you know, that little 40-minute episode of HBO Max's Harley Quinn animated TV show starring Kaylee Cuoco. Um, I'll say right out off the bat, I loved this special. 
Like, as somebody who, you know, I mean, I would never into Valentine's Day. I'm sick of, while I love being bombarded by Halloween and Christmas content around those holidays, I could do without all the romantic content coming my way Valentine's Day. So this is a perfect antidote to that. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Harvey, Harvey, Harley (laughs) and Ivy are cute. Bane's subplot is hilarious. Uh, I loved the touch of all the different DC couples being interviewed about their relationships. I just thought this is a win all around, just like the TV show is in general for me. So, but what do you guys think? I think the special is one of the best things that has come out of the series. Cosine. It is just hilarious. I don't love the series, to be quite honest. It's I like pieces of it, but this is like the peak, I think. It, there's so many fun jokes in this. And like I said, Anthony, the, uh, the interviews are really fun. <laughs> One of my favorite things, not which uh, other than Bane, of course, is the um, they recreate the ghost pottery thing, and it's Clayface. <laughs> that was brilliant. That yeah. was brilliant. Uh, this is just a, a great watch. And it's only 40 minutes long. It's, it's not like it's going to take a, a long chunk of your life away. It's 40 <laughs> minutes. It's pretty funny. And it's just a good time. No, it, it's a good 40 minutes spent. Mm-hmm. I will I will say that. No, I, I, I'm with you, Chris. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan, but I do enjoy Kaylee Cuoco's Harley. Mm-hmm. I, I think she is... I mean, I would even say she's probably the best person to to voice Harley since Arlene Sorkin did it. She just has a just a unique uh, voice. I mean, there's just no other. She just brings a, a kind of a, a classic Harley feel, but yet she makes it totally her own. Um, yeah, th- th- this is an absolute delight uh, of a special. Like, frankly. More of these, I think, are are a must for for this show. Like you know, give give me a Harley and Ivy Christmas special. Give yeah. me a Harley and Ivy, you know, Halle, Halloween or Fourth of July. Like go through all the hall, go through the long <laughs> Halloween with Harley. Like you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you think it would be made for like St. Patrick's Day, especially like you know some drunken exactly. There's a yeah. lot you could do with it. You know, Thanksgiving or something. Everybody you know gets together and sits around the table. You know, Bane carves a turkey. I don't know, but uh, no, th- this is this is something special. And I know we talked about it off air, but I, I mean, just the interpretation of Bane. I mean, it's it really is a, a master bingo like tom hardy's voice in impersonation has just come full circle at this point and it's i, I just love it like it, this is this is a magnificent beast well, to say the least well, is the best thing he really <laughs> is he's really he's really good he's really good i'll say this i re- what i really liked about this it's it's absurd like oh yeah it's a complete it's crass. It's absurd, but there are some honest moments in it. Like the whole conceit of Harley is so insecure about living up to her Ivy's past relationships that she wants to go over the top and make it the best Valentine's Day ever. I think anyone who's dated has been in a situation oh, yeah. like that. Uh, you know, even Bane. I mean, the whole thing stems from insecurity about his the size of his manhood. A lot of guys, especially in college, worry about that when they're hooking up for the first time. Like, there are some real honest moments in here among all the absurdity, which I think is a key to 
its success. It's a great commentary. I mean, you know, despite all the farcical stuff, it, it really is. It, it's brilliantly written, uh, and, and it delivers. It, it's it's an episode that's layered on 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 many different uh, aspects. I mean, again, you get that you get the comedy. I mean, we mentioned the the pottery thing, uh, which is just. I mean, that's just sheer brilliance right there. But no, <laughs> it, 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 there is a lot of stuff. Uh, the, the, there is a lot to to sort of take away from it it's a like i said it's it's a nice commentary on the sort of the whole holiday if you will the especially the commercialization aspect shout out to uh dark side meeting his wife at the republican national convention <laughs> so just a little subtleties you know you really can pick apart the gems as um as over the top as this episode is it really like again he said it has those those moments that have heart in them and i think that's really what propels this special to be something special <laughs> mm. because every other episode of harley that i've seen it's just kind of nonsense for 25 minutes which is fine but it's cool when they can weave those things together and make it work because like, you oh. have bane physically abusing buildings while you have the heartfelt stuff with harley and ivy it's a perfect balance mm-hmm even Clayface storyline, as absurd as it is, it's the idea of being alone. He doesn't want to be alone on Valentine's Day. I think everyone could relate to that. Bingo. Uh, and I mean, when you think about it, it, his whole arc of this special is learning to just be in love with yourself. Like yeah. learning to love yourself. Like, love yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. it's done in such an absurd, farcical, to use your word, Phil, way, but it is something everybody has gone through. <laughs> It's a very relatable episode, as, as, as extreme as it is. You know? yeah, I mean, nobody, laugh. I don't think any of us have smashed buildings. So, you know, there's that <laughs> whole, uh, you know, aspect, uh, or, you know. Maybe, also, maybe. also, has Brett Goldstein cameoing as himself, which is a win as well. <laughs> That's probably a highlight for me. <laughs> as a big Ted Lasso fan, seeing Brett or hearing Brett and he looks like Brett, it's like, that's, that's amazing. That was well done. That was very well done. The way it comes together at the end, where they get Clayface to turn into a giant Brett Goldstein to turn Bane off, so Bane shrinks again. So he's just reading off his tender, whatever, all the stuff he hates, like angel hair and pasta and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It's so ridiculous, but it's so funny. No, it works. The whole the whole thing works. <laughs> oh, also, I love Etrigan the Demon just uh, running a little a little potion shop for people who are lonely on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you gotta do something. <laughs> you know, Good day uh, for business. Speaking of Kaylee Cuoco, though, I would be completely cool if she were the official voice of Harley and anything going forward. Kind of like the way Tara Strong is now across the board or Conroy was for the longest time. Hannah, yes. You know, I, I would be okay if Kaylee took over that I am the official Harley Quinn. Like for that new game, I'm surprised they didn't go to her. Mm. Well, first of all, I've been playing that game. Love it. I don't get oh, the yeah. hate people have for it. That's fair. Um, 100%. Second, they, yeah. Go ahead, Anthony. Second of all, I'm with you, Chris, about Kaylee. 
I thought you were going somewhere I wanted to go, which is she may be a little too old now, but she would have made a great live action Harley Quinn. That's the reason I wouldn't subject because she is a little bit older than probably what they want, but she's it's not like she's 55 years old. No. (laughs) And it's not like she doesn't look younger or anyone. Yeah, I think you you could do that and it would be a really cool adaptation to have her. And you you know, especially do the classic with her, Uh you know, stick her in the jester outfit, let her run around, that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I would not. Uh, I would not complain. <laughs> I would not complain. Yeah, I, I've seen her in a few things. And I, I think she's pretty. She's a, she's a pretty good actress. So mm-hmm. it's not like she couldn't handle the, yeah, uh, you know, the yeah, you know, the more dramatic aspects, if you yeah, will, like, of a live flight, action. I, I flight attendant. I was about to yeah. say, I really flight liked attendant. that show. Yeah, that, that show was, was great. Mm-hmm. No. She was great in it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Start well, manifesting, was... Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. She's one of the, I think, one of the only voice actors from the show I would be okay with transitioning to something else. Unless oh, the guy like who does Bane wants to do that. that well, yeah, the Bane. <laughs> I like Ivy. I really like the. I really like Ivy's um, the way they portray her personality. Just well, no, that, I like, like on the show, I just wouldn't want that. I don't, I don't think I'd be. I don't like that actress as much as I. I like Kaylee Cuoco with Harley. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I get that. But Lake Bell is pretty great as Ivy. That's it, Lake Bell. Mm-hmm. Ivy as like a Daria type character. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Alan Tudyk is the Joker would be something. Yeah, I that, that... I want that something, but it's there. No, that w- it would be something. <laughs> it's hard to remember. I love Alan Tudyk as Clayface. Clayface. He's <laughs> pretty good as. Him. He, he did another animated series where it's the same <laughs> voice. Oh, he's in the Disney movie Wish. He plays a character, and it's the Clayface voice. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, so it was really bizarre to be watching this animated Disney film, and Clayface was in it. <laughs> um, there's no change at all. <laughs> so, gentlemen, if you'll allow me for one moment, because I pulled up the Wikipedia page for this uh, episode. And they list, they have a list here of Bane's turnoffs as visible on Harley's <laughs> phone. So I just, wa- I just want to read them off real quick. The use of the word anyways instead of anyway. <laughs> Angel hair pasta. That thing where you say goodbye to somebody and you both walk in the same direction. <laughs> Incorrect grammar. Screenwriting Twitter, which is hilarious. Bad posture. Brand social media using first person. When you have to turn up the TV for dialogue, then turn down for action scenes, which I I hate that as well. I hate that. Uh, mask chafing. When people don't know what to order at Big Belly Burger, it's fast food, not think about it food. Orange flavored venom. <laughs> Capitalism in general. And when people don't RSVP, it takes five minutes. <laughs> so funny. I love being. <laughs> so yeah, that uh, early point. I would love. That is my favorite version of being. It, it is did, really. It's it's very it's good. It's a nice combination. Didn't they also portray him that way in the Lego Batman movie too? Actually, the voice and everything. He was kind of goofier in that movie too. I think. Yeah, it was a little more over the top, but again, it was Tom Hardy. Yeah, the voice. Yeah. But I think everybody in that movie was goofy. 
It is a goofy film. Yeah, everybody's like, you know, it's the, over the top. The Joker is pretty goofy too. He's less murderous, more. Yes, he's more of a sad clown. Mm-hmm. I love that um, Clayface in this too. By the way, like Captain Boomerang cuts him in half with his boomerang or whatever. Clayface doesn't just put himself back together. Like <laughs> he lets his bottom half escape and become his thing. That's so <laughs> absurd. <Yeah. laughs> That's one of the things the show does well in general is the absurdities, I think. It is. Yeah. It, it I, is. But I, I think there's a point in the series where it's got kind of too much for me. I just wasn't as interested. And then I watched this and it's like, oh, okay, this is still good. <laughs> that happened for me after season four. I've, I couldn't get into season four, but I really liked the first three seasons. I like the first two. Okay. I think once they kind of split up the crew a little bit. Yeah. That's when it went downhill. Like, I miss Dr. Psycho. Yeah, He's I just not on the show him. anymore. Yeah. I agree. I broke agree. the band up. <laughs> oh, one of the bits I did love about this is on Bane's dating profile, he listed the later seasons of The Office as his favorite, which is hilarious because <laughs> they're nobody's favorite. And then <laughs> Ivy had that fantastic line about if he lists the Dexter finale as being great. <laughs> she was going to be really pissed off yeah. I appreciate that as a fan of both of those shows <laughs> but, yeah Harley Quinn Valentine's Day perfect oh, way to spend it with your loved ones people I know this Valentine's Day Sarah and I will put watch this and Charlie Brown back to back because it's no holiday without Charlie Brown well there you go there's, you Char- get- there's a Valentine's Charlie Brown special Called Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown. I just learned something new today, so there we go. It, it is nowhere near as good as, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, like classic ones, but oh, that, that but, might be why I haven't heard it. <laughs> I don't think I knew there was a Halloween one. It's a great pumpkin. You've never oh, seen it's a great pumpkin. I got a rock. I got a rock, yeah. There's pretty much one for every they have an Arbor Day one, spring training one. Oh, you're serious? Uh, there is an Arbor Day one. Oh, there is an Arbor Day one. Okay, wow. Again, I'm they're learning. All these, are they all on Apple now, I guess? They're all on Apple. They have oh. one, which I didn't know existed. Sarah remembered it from her childhood. And I had to look up, and I was like, holy crap, that's real. It's called Why Charlie Brown? Why? And it's about this little girl who moves to town, and she gets cancer and goes bald. And all the kids are making fun of her, except Linus. She gets really sick, and Linus Jesus. is like, "Why, Charlie Brown? Why?" And Sarah said, "She when she watched it as a kid, she always used to her big fear of getting cancer is because she'd lose her hair <laughs> because they were all making fun of her." But uh, kid gets cured terrible. in the end. <laughs> but, Jesus, but, yeah. what an episode! Why are you in that episode? What is that? The kid was cured in the end. So, oh, okay, wow, we've just gone through twenty five minutes of that, but okay. <laughs> That movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen, what was it called? Oh, Funny it, People. No, no, I think, was that one? <laughs> oh, no, that was, no, that was Adam Sandler. Yeah, it's like... That, uh, 50-50, 50-50. Yeah. But, but, yeah, so, Charlie Brown, he has something for every... Yeah. <laughs> Which I hope Harley Quinn does eventually. Maybe... Harley Quinn, the... Arbor Day. Yeah. Oh, you know for a fact, if they played something like that on Harley Quinn, it would be played for the last of Clayface or Bane. 
they have. Oh yeah, no, it would be at their expense. <laughs> I think I'd rather see St. Patrick's Day movie. I think so too. Also, That's fitting. I'd like to see grown up Charlie Brown, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Charlie Brown class reunion. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Didn't Family Guy do something like that once? Or they did. Get, getting drunk alone at a bar because his only friend was Snoopy and he was dead for 20 years because he was a dog. It sounds like, like a good time. Let's do a whole thing on that. Charlie Brown after dark. Yeah. Um, but gentlemen, I think that was pretty much everything we wanted to cover this week, unless I'm missing anything. I believe that was the list. I think that was it. So, uh, where can people weigh in on what they think of Supergirl casting, Harley Quinn's Valentine's, everything we talked about today, and where can they find you guys if they want to hear more of you guys? You can stalk us on Twitter, and yes, I'm still going to call it Twitter, uh, Instagram as well. This is a good time for a little back-and-forth interaction. Let us know your thoughts on uh, what we've said here tonight. Uh, are you ready for uh, next month with the filming of the beginning of filming for Superman Legacy and all the excitement that is to come? And uh, let us know maybe your uh, your choice for a director for Woman of Tomorrow. That might be a nice, uh, might be a good poll question to put out or, a, or an open ended question for uh, the Twitter handle. But uh, enough enough of that. I won't keep rambling. <laughs> but uh, if you uh, haven't had your fill of me tonight, you can certainly. Uh, check out the podcast that I do every week, Phil at the Movies, which is always for the love of movies. And going to be a lot of uh, Oscar talk the next few weeks. So uh, if you've you've really had your fill of me discussing Oppenheimer and my love for it, then tune out and check back in late March because it's going to be the Christopher Nolan train from now on until <laughs> uh, Oscar Sunday. But that that I'll I'll cut it right there. <laughs> I'm also on Team Oppenheimer, by the way. There we go. <laughs> um, you guys can follow me on Twitter. I, I'm with you guys. It's still Twitter. Um, you guys can follow me at thatchris70. You can also follow the podcast that I do with my buddy Emmett Davis over at G of the Geeks. Like Anthony said, we do gather on Sundays. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at his podcast. We look for a bit of Christmas cheer to get you through the long, cold, early winter months and hot summer months. Uh, that's where you can find us. We also have a lot of Halloween content on our Patreon, uh, so check me out there. Uh, I also am doing a started a spinoff show of Filmstrip Podcast with uh, Jay over there called Change My Movie Mind. You'll find it in the Filmstrip feeds it's where we have different movie opinions to try to change each other's mind uh we debate so the first episode was who's the better director Zack snyder or rob zombie and uh we have a judge who will moderate and eventually weigh down on one of our sides and uh yeah so that was a lot of fun check it out it's in film strip podcasts feed uh but every week, every time we do it, it's going to be a different guest judge. So we'll have to get you gentlemen on for a topic in the future. But our next one is when did the Oscars get it wrong? And uh, we'll be arguing. We'll each take a year to argue. So, oh, well, that'll be a good one. I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. So, check us out. Absolutely. <laughs>